Brilliant. Okay, so hi everyone. My name is Matt. I have the privilege of being one of the elders here. Thank you, Joe and Sarah and Co. for that. Um, it was really good. I'm a bit disappointed, Joe, that you weren't leading worship standing on your head. And I'm kind of looking forward to that at the end. But anyway, so fab. So yeah, I'm um, preaching this morning and um, we're looking at how the glory of God is revealed through the cross. And I'll be honest, when I first got this topic, I probably wasn't as excited. Okay, brilliant. Okay, yeah, so like I was saying, I probably wasn't as excited as I should have been when I got this topic. And I think um, in my head, I was like, probably a bit like, oh, well, we've spoken about the cross lots. It's, I've done alpha talks on the cross. It's one of those topics that maybe actually we're really familiar with. And then when I started looking at it and just thinking about it, actually, again, I was just blown away by the cross and the love that Jesus had for us. And it drew me to want to worship him afresh. And so actually that's my heart for us this morning, that we're going to be landing in a time of worship. And I think the reality is it's, it's kind of easy as Christians to take the cross for granted and actually take the magnificence of what Jesus has done for us for granted. I think if we all think back to maybe the first time that we met Jesus, the first time Jesus came and found us, the first time that we realized that actually what he did was for us, actually how revolutionary it was, how that flipped our lives upside down. And then actually sometimes then we can just be, oh yeah, that was nice. But actually I want us just uh, this morning to just be amazed again by what Jesus did for us. So that's my heart this morning and that's where I hope we're going to get to. So actually I just want you to just sit back, soak up some of the truth and the amazingness of this this morning. Um, like a lot of you, um, you're probably thinking a little bit about the football tonight. And um, I know when um, the first thing, probably the first message I got when England got through the semi-finals was from Paul Harrison saying, oh, good luck trying to preach on Sunday. So um, actually, there's a, there's a little reality that actually for a lot of us in the nation, our minds have been taken to that over the last couple of weeks. And it's been exciting. I've been enjoying it. Lots of it's sort of nice that it's brought, brought people together in that sort of buzz as well. And it's interesting, isn't it? When we've been talking in this series a lot about glory and Rayburn's mentioned it in that video too. Actually, um, the press are sort of talking about the glory that um, England would get tonight when they win the football. Um, and that's a sort of obvious example of what the world sees as glory, actually a sporting success. I think that bringing glory to the nation. But actually throughout this series and today we've been looking at um, what God's glory is about. And I think the cross is one of the biggest examples of how it's not necessarily how we would expect it to look when we think about glory, when the world thinks about glory. We've already sort of looked in this series a little bit at some of these verses, but um, starting in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And I think actually we need to never forget how amazing this is. And it does often leave me absolutely gobsmacked that actually God's way of revealing his glory to his people was stepping down out of heaven, down onto earth as a man and becoming part of his creation, the creator becoming part of the creation, which I thought find amazing. I was thinking about this just the other day. Um, I was in the garden and I've been having a bit of a war with ants at the moment. They've got like ants in our front and back garden, which is fine. But every now and then they try and find a way into the house. 
And so I've been sort of, you know, whether it's AMP, I've probably bought most AMP products known to man recently. There's AMP powder, AMP spray, AMP granules. Boiling water is quite effective too, I was a cover. Anyway, um, but I've been having this war with AMPs, basically. And I, I just think about it, going, wouldn't it be weird if I was like, they see me and I'm sort of this big giant that comes out and then attacks them. And like, I was like, but like, imagine if I just stepped down and became an ant and how insane that would be. But actually, you know, I didn't make the ants. I'm just part of the creation. I'm just like the ants, part of the creation. But God is the creator and he stepped down. And that's, you know, me becoming an ant would be bizarre. But God becoming part of his creation is just to a whole new level of just the bizarreness of that, isn't it? When you think about it in that way, you think, actually, something like this omnipotent, omnipresent God stepped into his creation. It just is absolutely mind-blowing when you think about it. I love the passage in Philippians where it talks about this, where it says that God, um, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him bestowed on him the name that is above every name so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father so you see that there it's the death on the cross leads to the exaltation of Jesus and the glory of God it's on the cross where God's glory is most on display the servant king who humbled himself so that his creation could be saved. This is like the ultimate glory, the ultimate victory. We think about all the victories and glory in the world and they're also temporary. When there's a big goal scored in a football match, I let out a really passionate cry. I'm like, come on! And I do that and to start with, when I used to do that, the kids just got petrified. Now they find it hysterical and roll around on the floor copying me and mimicking me, which I think is actually worse, to be honest, because it just feels really humiliating when they're them just finding it hysterical after this passionate cry. But anyway, but actually it's really interesting. It's because I do that over something that is actually a temporary victory, something that's going to fade away very quickly. Might well fade away tonight. But actually these things are temporary. Whether England win or lose tonight doesn't really matter because there'll be another tournament, another thing will happen. Actually all the things that we celebrate as victories in the world, whether that's sporting success, whether that's, um, you know, um, who wins Love Island, that's for you Robin, whether there's um, empires that rise and fall, actually any of these things are temporary victories that bring fleeting glory. But actually what we talk about in terms of what Jesus did, this was a victory over sin and death. This was a victory that actually redefined the whole of history. It was the ultimate glory through the ultimate sacrifice. I often think if Hollywood wrote this, they'd have been told that it was too unbelievable. But it's like the greatest love story that's ever been told. He's the greatest hero. This is worth roaring passionately about much more so than a football match, much more so than a war victory. Actually, this is something that changes everything. Actually, we know that when Jesus died and rose again, it changed the whole of history. It saved us from destruction and brought us eternal life. Actually, it means there'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. This is something that actually I want to be excited about. There's a song that I used to um, enjoy singing that talks about some of the things that will be happen when Jesus returns. And it always used to excite me because there's things that actually when he returns, the deaf will hear his voice, the blind will see their savior, the lame will leap for joy. 
The widow will find a husband who always loves his bride, and the orphan finds a father who will never leave her side. You know, sometimes even in my work as a social worker, I look at the darkness in this world, but actually know that through Jesus' death and resurrection, actually the darkest corners of this world, the light will come to. Actually, Jesus' victory has won over all these things. This is something worth celebrating. It's something worth getting excited about. It's something that's worth, it's important not to take for granted. Like I said earlier, I remember actually when I was a teenager and I first found out about this, I was a bit of a mess. I was struggling in life at that time, so at 13, 14, I'd been suicidal at times. I've had a lot of self-hatred. I wasn't in a good place. And then actually, Jesus met with me and changed everything. And actually, when he did that, when I realized that the God that made the universe loved and cared for me and had died on a cross for me, actually that completely changed me. Actually there was a peace that came to me, a love that came to me that was completely overwhelming. And it was like I'd found what I'd been searching for even though I didn't really know I was looking for it at the time. Suddenly it all made sense. And the glory of God has been shown to us in that way, in a way that we can understand. Actually the vast creator God became this finite human being. The unimaginable became recognizable to us. The unknowable was made known. The unapproachable became flesh and dwelt among us. Look at the Old Testament where actually people couldn't even go into the presence of God without being struck down. Suddenly, God dwells among us. In Jesus, we see the glory of God, but it's a surprising glory. It takes off, he takes off his guard. There's humility, sacrifice. We just like look at the cross for a few minutes and we can see how it was all made possible. In the Old Testament, you see that God's never referred to as the King of Kings, but actually Jesus is in the New Testament once the resurrection has happened. There's something about him dying on the cross and rising again that makes him the King of Kings. At the cross, we really see actually the whole sort of paradoxical nature of the glory of God, because it's at the cross that he's enthroned as King. When we look at the story of the crucifixion, we see different ways that he was enthroned at the time. And a lot of it was done in a mocking way. He was crowned with this crown of thorns. He was wrapped in a royal purple robe. He had that sign above him reading the King of the Jews. He was high and lifted up on his throne, but only his throne was shaped as a cross. And this was done by the Romans and Jews in mockery of him. And I just, I just found that so amazing. One of the bits I, when I was rereading the story of the crucifixion, I was amazed at, was when they were mocking him and saying, prophesy to us. And I just thought, like, actually, this was, he knew everything about every one of them. And he just stood there taking that because of his love for them and for us. And you just think that's like, you know, I, I think if I knew something about someone and I was going through that, I'd be tempted to be, well, I'll show you what I can do. But actually, no, because he showed in this way of sacrifice and love. It was so humbling. And actually, he went through that because of his love. And they did this, like I said, out of mockery. But the irony is kind of returned on them because this really was how Jesus was enthroned as the King of Kings. We, I think the cross is really where we see the ultimate display of the glory of God. He's enthroned to die as the suffering servant. The beautiful one becomes disfigured beyond recognition. The author of life lays down his life to offer everlasting life to others. The holy one becomes sin and dies the death of a criminal. This is the glory of God on display. I'm going to finish with reading quite a bit of Isaiah, just because I want it to help us focus again 
on Jesus. And I think it's really interesting because we often read some of this passage in terms of the suffering servant, but it's interesting because it starts um, just before that by talking about actually how will the servant be high and lifted up, be exalted, be enthroned. And so you see that actually it's through his suffering. So it says here, behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him for that which has not been told them they see and that which has not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened up not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for this generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering of, for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their inequities. Therefore, I'll divide him a portion with many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. I'm going to invite the band to come up now, so I just finish off. But I think I just flip back to that bit in Philippians because that sums it up again. It's actually being found in human form. He humbled himself to coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him. Actually, we know that it's through his sacrifice that we see his glory come. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand back over to the band and we're just going to have some time responding and worshipping Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, I just want to thank you for who you are. You know, as a God that created the universe and created everything, you'd be worthy of praise and adoration, whatever. But actually, if that was who you were and you hadn't stepped down into creation, we would probably be fearful of you as, as well. But actually, you're not just a God that's out there as a creator and in a distant God. 
you saw our suffering, you saw our rebellion, and you wanted to do something about it because of your love for us. And you stepped down into creation and changed everything. We thank you, God, that we can boldly approach you because of what you've done. We thank you that we can come and worship at your throne because you've made a way for us to have that relationship with you. We thank you that we no longer have to fear death or judgment or anything because you changed it all through the cross, Lord. So we just say, Lord, you are so worthy, Jesus Christ, of our worship and adoration. And we just come to you, Lord, with nothing else to offer but ourselves and just say, have your way with us, Jesus. We bow down and adore you because you alone are worthy of all praise. Amen.